Super Bowl 57 prop betting first look. And to set the tone here in this episode, Hitman, we can focus on bets that are generally best to consider early on in a Super Bowl prop betting cycle. Next week, we'll reconvene and touch on bets that are usually better to consider closer to kickoff. So right off the top, I'd love to ask you before touching on any particular wagers, how you describe your general approach to the unique betting event that is the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, when you're betting a lot of these props, the basic strategy is you want to play the public props that you know a lot of recreational bettors are going to be making. You want to play them early. And if you're going to go opposite of those, you want to play those late. Now, what does that mean? Um, popular bets that the public will make. Yes, that there will be a safety. That, that's an example. It's always the go-to like pro thing that like every pro on game day is typically laying like minus 800, minus 900, that there won't be a safety because it just it gets bet down by the public and it's a value play. So something like that, you're not going to bet it 12 days before the game or something like that. You're going to look to bet it after um, you're going to look to bet it after the public has driven the number down. You'll bet it right before the game kicks off um, the yes, no bets, anything with big payouts. Typically you're looking to, if you're going to bet something that's a bigger payout, a long shot, Typically, you like to get that early because the long shots attract so much money. And typically, if you're going to bet against it with the nose, then you're going to look to um, you're going to look to bet at post. Now, that's not always the case. Like there will be times I'll just see a number that I think is blatantly wrong, and I will bet it early. For example, I bet no, no I bet that a non-quarterback, or I bet that I bet that a quarterback would not have a reception in this game. And it was minus 700 at one book. And I just thought that was way too cheap. And there's minus even 7,000 sounds more like it. Yeah. I think it's like minus like 2,500 at some other books. And like the, the yes is like plus 1,200. So theoretically, I could scalp it if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. I just thought the value of that was really good. So I bet that. But um, yeah, prop like that, I'll go early on. But in general, you want to play the stuff anytime touchdown scores, play it earlier. Anything that you think that would be a public bet, you want to look to play earlier. And then you want to wait on something that would, um, that you think the public, if you're going to bet against uh, a public type play. Two process based points I'd like to follow up on to that answer. One, you mentioned no safety, minus 800 to minus no 100. A lot of pros playing that as a value bet. Now, for a lot of listeners, a lot of casual bettors, minus 800, minus 900 is a zip code they don't even drive in. When they're thinking value, it's, you know, a defensive player to an MVP, 40 or 50 to one. And that could happen. And, and those could be fun wagers to play. But value is generally correlated in a lot of people's minds with a big plus number is the payout. So can you explain why something priced as high as minus 800 or minus 900, or in some cases, maybe priced even higher, could still offer value from a betting perspective? It's all about the implied probability of what the probability of an event happening is and then what the odds are saying that the implied probability is. So just like the most most ba basic example is the coin flip. It's a 50% chance, heads or tails. Uh, but if there's a book that's giving you an edge on it, it could be plus 101. I mean, theoretically, that that's an edge right there. And you're supposed to bet that. It's the same thing with betting these minus 800s 
or something. I mean, if you if the implied probability says that one of these props, you know, it's minus eight hundred, but it should be minus fifteen hundred or something like that. It, it doesn't matter that you're laying eight to one. You're playing something that's a mathematical edge that in the long run you're going to come out on top on. So. I mean, you know what? You, you should look at these big money line on these big on those bets like that. You should look at it as an opportunity and not as something like, oh, I can't bet it because of, of the juice. No, it, you have that opportunity to bet something like that, like the no safety typically, because the recreational players who are losing betters that they've driven the price to give it value to the sharp betters. So just like, and another great example, I mean, this is the most extreme example, but the McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight, recreational bettors overwhelmingly push that number to where the minus 500, minus 400 Mayweather has value. You could find not as great a money-making opportunities as that typically in the Super Bowl, but you could find some really good values. And when you found good value, you mentioned there are some numbers where you might have opportunities to scalp them or use an arbitrage play for leverage in your portfolio. But in some cases, you won't do that. If you've got a good bet and you got the best of the number, then you'll just let that ride. What's your thought process like when it comes to looking at arbitrage, scalping, hedging opportunities, when to act on those and when to just let your portfolio be what it is and embrace the fact that you've gotten the best of a number? Yeah, I mean, I say it all the time. Everybody has a different risk tolerance. If if you're building a bankroll, when I first started, and I was building a bankroll. I used to look to do that. I'd say, oh, you know, I I found this scalp, and I'm gonna I'm gonna guarantee myself a few hundred bucks with, with a scalp or an arbitrage. I mean, I was all for it, and I mean, it's it's up to the person's discretion. But personally, if I see two large two numbers that are different. I'm going to put in a lot of work to try to figure out which one is the correct side. And then I'm going to get as much down as I possibly can on what I think the inefficiency is out of the two lines. Now, every now and then you, it could be, you know, well, the inefficiency is it should be somewhere in the middle and both have value and then I'll gladly do it. But for the most part, it's something that I stay away from, but, Everybody's different. If you're just starting off and you're just start trying to build a bankroll and everything, it could be a great opportunity because I did see a lot of things in this different sites that plus money on both sides or minus 125 on one side and plus 140 on the other side where you could lock, it some, lock in some profit. But from my personal viewpoint, I was just betting, trying to find out what's the wrong number and I'm betting that accordingly. Yeah, to quote the logic of sports betting, which was quoting rounders, spot the sucker. And if you've spotted the sucker, then maybe you don't need to bother getting down on a more efficient line just to balance out the portfolio. Now, you're giving up a guaranteed profit, but in the long run, you're likely ensuring a much better ROI. And I think that ties in with a lot of betters at this stage of the season, uh, myself included, might have futures on one of these teams. And as a hat tip to tomorrow's guest, I'll give a spoiler for the Props and Hops Super Bowl Shuffle interview series. I'm going to bring on Josiah Clark, who goes by Sharp Clark NFL on Twitter. And he released a great write-up prior to the season on why the Chiefs had some value in his mind. I found a 14-1 to in the summer. And that has a lot more exposure for me than usual on one team entering a game. 
and there's the opportunity to guarantee a profit, you know, bet the equals money line, do something with the point spread. But to your point in your previous answer, everybody's a little bit different. And I think of David Malinsky, we can weave in the Malinsky minute here. He would often talk about hedging opportunities as worth pursuing if it was life-changing money or if your hedging bet would offer standalone value. And right now where I see the point spread, if anything, I would lean toward Kansas City, but I already have more exposure than I typically would on them. So a pretty big future, I'm going to let it ride and just cross my fingers, but I feel like there's no need to dilute that with a play on the Eagles just to guarantee a profit. Have you been getting questions from any of your followers asking what to do if they themselves are riding on Chiefs and Eagles Super Bowl futures at this stage? Yeah, all the time. And it's it's the same thing that I, I just said on this. Like, if it's a big, if, if it's a really big win and it would mean a lot to you or it would help build your bankroll to make future money, then go ahead and, and try to middle it or, or, or scalp it, whatever you got to do. But if you're already established and you, you've, you, you have a higher risk tolerance and you tend to like the Philadelphia side, then don't just hedge it or middle it just to do it. Um, I had some San Francisco futures to win the NFC and to win the Super Bowl. And against the Eagles, I didn't play back any of it because, and it wasn't even like I was in love with San Francisco, but I was just like, you know what? I probably lean towards San Francisco in this game. Um, I'm not just going to hedge it to, to hedge it. I'm, I'm fine with letting it ride. And then on the other hand, I had some Chiefs futures and I doubled down and I added more against the Bengals when the Chiefs were underdogs in that game because I thought the Chiefs were a good bet as an underdog and they ended up closing two, two and a half point favorites. So it's it's different for everybody and only you know how much it means to you. But I, I never recommend just hedging for just, just to do it. Love it. I think we've covered some good grounds off the top here in letting it ride when it comes to hedging opportunities. Also understanding that heavy VIG can sometimes be associated with heavier value than we'll find in a lot of other betting opportunities. I did want to be sure to touch on some player props that will probably see significant movement between now and the time we connect again next week. And to your point, I think in your initial remarks, when we're looking at bets worth considering early from a player prop betting standpoint, Usually, if you're going to bet an over, especially with a marquee player, you want to go ahead and lock that in sooner rather than later. So I'll mention some marquee players on both teams here, and I'll use consensus numbers as a reference point. But again, especially with such expansive menus as we have for Super Bowl props, cannot recommend highly enough that people shop around wherever possible. Some of the numbers I'll mention, you might have access to better numbers, and that can definitely change the calculus when you're making these betting decisions. But Hitman, want to start with the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. His injury is still going to be a major talking point, but you were right. It looked pretty good, better than a lot of the market was anticipating this time last week, heading into the AFC title game. And maybe that's part of the reason why, as you touched on when you spoke with friend of the show, Ed Fang, on his podcast, The Football Analytics Show, that there could still be some value on his passing yardage number to go over. Currently seeing 290 and a half in regulated markets, as high as 295 and a half, juiced heavily to the over at some offshore shops. So again, I know we hit this last week, but that was the number in the low to mid 280s. And I feel like we're still seeing discounted numbers from pre-injury lines for Patrick Mahomes here. 
while this number has been steamed, I'm wondering if at 290 and a half, you see any value still left on Patrick Mahomes passing yards over. Yeah, it's strong lean to maybe worth a small bet in, in between those um, in between that for me right now. Um, I, I think you'll get closing line value on it. And you know what? If it does close in the high 290s, I'm not going to be running to, to play back any of my bets that I got in the low 280s and mid 280s. So I think it's worth a bet right now, to be honest. At the worst, you'll get – I think this. At the worst, you're going to get closing line value, and you could figure out what to do on it with it. Right now, On uh, even like if you look on Prop Builder Software, which is a really prop popular software for prop betters, Right now, Mahomes is you could play under 295 and a half minus 104. So, and that's probably going to go up by kickoff. So, I think you could make worse bets this week than betting Mahomes even now at over 290 and a half passing yards. And you still are getting a discount. I mean, he was at 310 against Jacksonville. Now, obviously, this is a better pass defense than Jacksonville, but. In my opinion, it is a little bit of an overrated pass defense that Mahomes, listen, he's almost matchup proof. You got to see that when he played San Francisco earlier this year and just absolutely torched them. So I think that even at 290 and a half, you could do worse than betting that over right now. Wonder if there's going to be similar sentiment when I ask you about Travis Kelsey receiving yards over, currently lined at 79 and a half. And the matchup in this one seems fairly favorable. The Eagles have a good defense, but defending the tight end in the passing game statistically hasn't been one of their strong suits over the course of the season. And then the Kansas City wide receiver room in a bit of disarray right now. So if we don't have two or all three of those guys on the field between Juju Smith-Schuster, Nicole Hardman, and Kadarius Toney, maybe Kelsey's volume could go up by default. But I'm not alone in thinking this. Kelsey's number has already seen some steam. Do you see any value left if we look at Kelsey potentially over 79 and a half? Really have considered it. I do believe that it'll get closing line value. Value If you have a lot of outs, you'll probably be able to play something in the mid 80s under at post if you want. It's, it's a strong consideration. The only thing that really keeps me back is I feel like Mahomes and Kelsey are very, very correlated together for this matchup and I do have a decent exposure on Mahomes right now that that and that's the play that I prefer but not opposed to playing a Kelsey over also and I think that you'll probably get closing line value if you do and also I don't buy the stuff really with the Eagles the matchup against tight ends or anything their schedule of opposing tight ends was such a joke this year I mean they're not known to have elite linebackers and safeties as well they're known for their elite defensive line and solid outside boundary corners that they have so that's something that i think is you could do worse than play a kelsey over right now you're reading my mind with that point about the correlation here because i think for a lot of betters the super bowl is a good process teaching moment here it's so easy to get overextended without really knowing it because if somebody's looking at Mahomes over and Kelsey over right now and perhaps a guy like Tony under next week if we get word that he's going to play and his lines become widely available there's a lot of correlation in play there you just touch on Mahomes over and Kelsey over being correlated potentially if somebody is to play Kelsey over now and wants to look at Tony under next week 
that could have some correlation. So when it comes to bankroll management here, what do you make of correlated plays? Do you just try to, again, like we talked about earlier, just take the better bet and go all in there or, or maybe balance things out so that you're betting, you know, multiple angles that have some correlation so long as you like them, but being very mindful of getting overextended. Yeah. I mean, again, I always say it depends on the person. Like I don't mind being overextended. Typically it's hard for me to get enough down on props to make me like really uncomfortable to where I'm like, Oh my God, I got too much exposure on something. But then to other people, you got to be careful sometimes because you know, for Kelsey Mahomes thing, you overbet both of them and they're, they're semi-correlated to each other that it could end up being a really bad day for you. So got to be mindful of it. But to me, I mean, Kelsey's one of those things. I, I keep going back and forth towards betting it or not. I guess what kind of scares me a little bit about it also is just the fact that it was reported by like a lot of sharp insiders that he was really banged up going into that game last week. I know I was betting a lot of stale unders on him in the low 80s before that game. And now I obviously know that he has two weeks to, to get rested and everything, but that that's probably the thing that just it, it, it just scares me off just a little bit to maybe it doesn't end up making my portfolio. Fair enough. Well, I think that covers all we need to talk about with some Chiefs marquee names that will be moving to the over in the coming days. Want to talk about the Eagles as well and maybe some negatively correlated bets these next couple I'll run by you. First up, Jalen Hurts rushing yards. I'm seeing 49 and a half is a consensus line if people want to look toward the over there. I know the last two weeks in the conference championship game, 39 rushing yards, the divisional round, 34 rushing yards. Game script certainly had a lot to do with that. They didn't need to lean on him late and put him in harm's way. I do think from a health standpoint, the volume's pretty encouraging. Hertz has 20 rushing attempts in those last couple of playoff games. And at the same time, I know you said it with Ed Fang, there are some questions about Hertz's shoulder. And while that may be impacting his throwing ability, I'm wondering if you think that could have any effect on any running we see from him come Super Sunday. Yeah, um, I was betting a lot of, I bet Hertz under in the Giants game. It, it did fared very well. I was betting his live. I didn't bet him pre-flop under, but I was betting some live unders in the San Francisco game at some point. Um, I lost on those. So may, maybe that's a bet that I look to bet. I mean, if you do want to play Hertz under rush yards, probably look to bet it under at post. But I haven't seen the same aggressive looking for contact from Hertz that I've seen in the past. So I, I lean towards his unders, but... I'm kind of going to wait and see to where the line goes. I wouldn't bet it now. If I was somebody, I, I would wait a little bit. And let's touch on somebody who you have already bet, and that would be Miles Sanders rushing yards over. Again, you touch on this on the Football Analytics Show. The current number up a bit from the mid-50s we had seen pretty recently, now seeming to settle in in the range of 57.5 for the time being. And before I heard you mention this to Ed, I was already planning to run it by you because – I was thrilled, and I think we were very fortunate to cash that under 13 and a half rushing attempts bet for the conference title game at plus money. Thank you very much, Game Script in Eagles 49ers. They were going to him early and often, so that looked pretty dicey right out of the gates. 
And thinking that game scripts probably won't unfold in a similar manner in the Super Bowl. Also, Sanders getting a step down in class from the Niners run defense to the Chiefs run D. While this, again, has been steamed a little bit, any meat left on the bone if we're considering Miles Sanders rushing yards over the current number of 57 and a half. Yeah, I still an- another sharp group played the under, but I, I disagree with it. I think that Sanders has gotten – in the first half, he's gotten – really good usage and they've just been conserving them in these blowouts. But I mean, the likelihood of this game blowing out is definitely a lot slimmer than it was the past few games for the Eagles. So, and then there's also a lot of sharp money. I know on Gainwell unders, there's a lot of sharp money on Boston Scott unders when they opened up chiefs run defense has faced a really easy runs, uh, really easy schedule of opposing rushing offenses. Haven't really been tested by a rush offense like this. So, yeah, for me, um, Sanders over, still worth a look. Got it. And I hadn't thought to go downstream a bit. I'm seeing Boston's got some 10 and a half still on the board for his rushing total, but those are juiced pretty heavily to the under. And then if we consider Kenneth Gainwell, man, yeah, so many players on the prop menus for the yeah. Super Bowl. I'll let you speak to Scott for a moment. Yeah, Scott's fried. That number's fried. I played under 12 and a half. I think it's like nine and a half, eight and a half, seven and a half. So, yeah, that's no good no more. Yeah, another case of it's only two yards, but when we're talking two yards going from 12 and a half to 10 and a half, much different story than two yards in something like the Patrick Mahomes passing yardage show to where mid 280s to high 280s or 290 and a half, still maybe a little bit more wiggle room when we're talking much bigger numbers moving a couple of yards. When it comes to Gainwell, maybe this one's right as well. I'm seeing 17 and a half, uh, as high as 20 and a half at one regulated shop, juiced a bit to the under. Is that also uh, an overcorrection or is that possibly an angle that somebody may want to consider? Have they been a bit slow to the trigger on Sanders overs? Yeah, I mean, the unders were at like 20 and a half, 21 and a half, been bet down. They got as low as 16 and a half and just recently got bet up a little bit. So I'm just going to wait and see. Maybe maybe somebody might like over. So people might see his past production in the past few weeks, start betting him over. So that's something I'm going to wait on as Gainwell plays. Sounds good. One more Eagle to ask you about, and this is another marquee name of their offense, A.J. Brown. I'm wondering about any possible value on receptions over five and a half. Seeing some plus money widely available here. Consensus number looks to be about plus 105. And there might be some trepidation for people who have tried this thus far in the playoffs because in the division round and the conference championship game, seven receptions combined for A.J. Brown. Again, game script had a lot to do with this. He was targeted 14 times, so it's not like he was a total afterthought. I feel like if he sees similar volume when we're talking about a competitive game state, there might be some wiggle room here for Brown to have a big game and getting some plus money on this, a, a nice potential cushion to have. But Hitman, what do you make of A.J. Brown receptions over 5.5 plus 105? Just a little bit nervous about Hurts and his throwing. Didn't, didn't look 100% in that San Fran game. Just a little bit nervous for me to race to to play Brown over. All right. Fair enough. We can put a pin in that one. And that'll do it for player props this week. Probably more to come next week. I did want to run one game prop by you as well. And it's been growing in popularity for a few years, but it really came out with full force last year. Opening kickoff, no touchback. And... This one saw a lot of heavy steam because Pat McAfee talked about it quite a bit with his massive audience. And he talked a lot about 
the ball. And I guess the ball is a bit more of a brick. It's not really worked in. It's just going to go straight to Canton after the opening kickoff. So they don't really wear it in like they do a lot of the other kicking balls. So just to get the distance, maybe not as easy. That is the inside I recall from Pat McAfee sharing from his own personal experience. And in my personal experience, betting a prop like this over the years, I always try to pay attention to season long stats for these teams. How do the Chiefs and Eagles fare when it comes to touchback percentage over the course of a season, but also take that with a hefty grain of salt because both of these teams, um, according to the numbers I saw most recently, around two out of three kickoffs went as touchbacks for them during the regular season. But preservation and player safety had a lot to do with that. I think when we see kicking teams in the Super Bowl, they're going to put more emphasis on field position, a greater likelihood for high short kickoffs, especially for smarter coaches who want to maximize the value of field position. And then for receiving teams, there's often just so much adrenaline that even if the kick sails a few yards into the end zone, somebody might be much more inclined to bring it out, try to make a play. Whereas if it's week eight in the morning window, they're probably just going to take a knee or let it sail over their head. So keeping in mind regular season stats versus the Super Bowl dynamic, I've also charted what we've seen so far in the playoffs from these two teams. And I know it's a small sample size, so I'll get that caveat out of the way right off the bat here. But the Chiefs have kicked off nine times in the postseason, five touchbacks, and that's excluding the squib kick at the end of the AFC Championship game. Philadelphia, 11 kickoffs this postseason, only four touchbacks. So all together for both of these teams, 20 kickoffs worth counting for this bet. Only nine of them have gone for touchbacks. That leads me to believe opening kickoff for the Super Bowl, probably about a coin flip. So if I can see plus money, I'm inclined to look that way. And one more nudge for me as I consider this bet, at a recreational regulated shop, I've seen it as high as plus 160 and at a sharper market making offshore, it's down closer to plus 140. So that kind of discrepancy tells me that where there's bigger plus money at a square shop, that might indicate value. Hitman, that's a long winded wind up from me. What do you think of this prop first kickoff in the Super Bowl not to be a touchback? Yeah, I've bet it. Um, I bet it like in the plus 160, plus 170-ish range. So um yeah, I think it was worth a bet. Um, one thing I'd say about the research you did is it's just a little biased because it was an outdoors cold games, whereas this mm -hmm. is going to be in an indoor stadium. But I know in the Super Bowl, historically, um, the opening kickoff, there hasn't been many touchbacks in the Super Bowl historically. So, yeah, I mean, it's nothing that I'm going to like call a banger and everything, but it's something that I did bet as well. All right. I appreciate the note on the bias and some of the research I did. That was certainly unintentional, but it's important to factor in things like that. And one more thing I hadn't touched on, because this got so popular last year after seemingly everybody who follows Pat McAfee got down on it. And last year seemed to be the exception to the norm where the opening kickoff was a touchback. I feel like people who got burned there might not be so eager to go back to the well. So I can hold out some hope that we can see some more favorable prices if we are willing to double down on that one this time around exactly exactly i know it closed a favorite last year too yeah and at that point i mean if we're seeing this close as a substantial favorite then i would have no problem betting plus money that the opening kickoff will go for a touchback again i overall view this as pretty close to a coin flip so if you get some plus money in a meaningful way in either direction i can't fault a look there and right now the plus money um after you got down it seems to be dwindling just a little bit but still definitely plus money favoring no kickoff on the opening touchback. Hitman, I think that covers specific props we can cover for this week's conversation. At this stage, I know we talked about some player props you've already bet where maybe there's some meat left on the bone. 
anything that you would consider recommending for an early props and hops Super Bowl prop betting portfolio? Yeah, we could go up to Mahomes over 290 and a half. You're going to get closing line value on it, like the play, and you can see what you want to do with it at post is my opinion on that. Sounds good. And while I'm not going to match the plus 170-ish number that you've got on that opening kickoff prop, I will go ahead and say I am still seeing it north of plus 140. Let's say at plus 140 or better, opening kickoff in the Super Bowl, not to be a touchback. So that'll cover our rundown of props, our picks for the week. Hitman, one more question I'll throw your way before we wrap this up. As I've been going through the Props and Hops Super Bowl Shuffle interview series, as I've dubbed it, one question I'm asking everybody, would love to get your insight on it as well. What would you consider the biggest lesson you've learned this season, especially considering for the first half of the season, it seemed like we were in the twilight zone with so much variance. Uh, Anything you're taking away moving forward that wasn't so prominent on your radar when the season kicked off? Um, so what, what, what the question is something that wasn't repeat that again, Matt. Sure. Essentially just the biggest lesson you've learned over the course of this season from a betting standpoint. Um, biggest lesson may, maybe don't let, sh- I mean, I knew this beforehand, but don't let short term variance uh, persuade you from something that you know is a profitable angle. I know early in the year, a lot of the advantage teasers I was playing did really bad. I was really cold on them. And then in the back half of the year, I went absolutely crazy on them and did really well. So maybe if, you, if you're if you confident that you have an edge in something, just don't let short-term variance uh, persuade you not to uh, keep making the same bets would be maybe one thing I could think of, of off the top of my head. Love it. I would say that that teaser angle would have been my answer as well before I asked you that question. And to add to your answer, a lot of respected betters I've spoken to have made the point that as we get deeper into the season, we get a better read on how good each team truly is. So even though it can be beneficial to bet teasers early in the season, contrary to this year's results, maybe scale the bankroll accordingly, reduce the stake amount early on and gradually ramp it up as we get more certainty on just how good these teams are because it's all about lowering variance when we're playing teasers. So it was great to see that as the season progressed, as it made sense to bet more on them, we did start to see more favorable results as well. And I'll add a second lesson I've taken away is uh, maybe to ask you more direct questions and be clear when I tee you up so that I don't have to make you uh, have me repeat things just to make your life a bit easier as well here. There we go. You always do a great job, Matt. It's on me. I think I could have teed that up quite a bit better, but glad we got a good answer there. And I'm seeing eye to eye with you on it. And on that note, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode. For anybody who's not doing so already, if you're sleeping at the wheel, go ahead and wake up and follow Hitman on Twitter at Hitman428. And you can also find me there at MLandis18. want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode. And I will be back tomorrow with Josiah Clark to close out the week and the Super Bowl Shuffle interview series. Props and ups and props and ups and props and ups.